Ona came to clean the church yesterday. She didn't know how God used her in that little picture she sent. Um, but God spoke to me through that picture. I'm grateful that God knows how to speak our language. She took a picture of a plant that's grown through the back door. Um, and it took me to Romans 8. And I want you to turn there with me. Um, and we're going to begin in verse 17 because that's, I think it's very important. Remember, Romans is what Paul wrote to the young church at Rome that's going through a lot of persecution. We haven't had any persecution here yet. But I'm telling you, if, if it's coming, but the, even Jesus told us, Timothy told us, it's all through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's so amazing how people can, you know, they're looking for something that's convenient. And uh, I really have been in prayer and, and seeking God for direction and clarity because times have changed. Uh, we had Turning Point with us Wednesday night, and I'm so grateful. And uh, I want to invite you to come on the first Wednesday night when we have food and fellowship because the Bible, it's biblical. Acts chapter 2, he said, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now that word means that he, they continued without wavering in the word of God. And fellowship was the second thing. And we're living in a time when people have lost that, that mentality of how important it is for fellowship. And that's what the body of Christ is to edify, to build each other up. And uh, I'm grateful Miss Robin has done a great job in, in getting every first Wednesday night of every month. Um, I love it. I love it. So I invite you to come if you have an opportunity to come on Wednesday night. Um, so we're just listening for the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8 verse 17, Paul had just mentioned that you're not obligated to any call to any religious duty. You're not obligated to that. And he says that, that you, don't, you understand that you never have to feel like you're not good enough. Because Jesus qualified us for every benefit. He qualified us so that we could be, uh, we, the Father could make us like Him and that we could have all the benefits of covenant. We talked about that Wednesday night. I'm not going to rehash that. But in, uh, in uh, chapter 8, verse 17, we're going to make a confession in just a moment. I think it's important. He says, they sent forth his spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba. Abba is not a Greek word. Abba is an Aramaic word that the Greeks borrowed. Abba means daddy, papa. And, and if you have that kind of relationship with God, then you understand that he's a faithful pater, which means father, one who infuses you with his own DNA, his own uh, character and nature. Peter says we've been made partakers of the divine nature. So, and Paul said when I, to the Corinthians, we're going there in just a moment. When I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech of men's wisdom because I don't want your faith to stand in the wisdom of men. 
but I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith may stand in the power of God. Look at this man on the second row and you, you see the power of God witnessed through a man that every other, uh, when you think about how easily it could have been, it could have went the other way, but God had a plan. And he preserved him. And, and, and so people, we're living in a time when so many people get offended so easily. But life is so fragile. I'm telling you, we're living in a world where life is, it's very fragile. Um, the Bible even mentions that. But let's read verse 17 of Romans 8. Since we're his true children... We qualify to share all the treasures for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we're joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We'll experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. There, right there, that sentence. We accept his sufferings. Now, the definition of that, we accept his feelings of pain. We, the things he experiences by implication, sufferings. And uh, you understand that we're, we're, we're living in a world when even it's been taught in church that there is a way you can escape the suffering. Not according to the Bible. Suffering is part of this broken world. Um. I like what one pastor told an atheist on an airplane. True story. He's sitting next to the atheist and the, and the person didn't tell him there was an atheist, but they asked the pastor, so what do you do? And he said, I'm a pastor. And she said, you're kidding, right? Because he didn't look like one. <sighs> he said, no. He said, I'm a pastor. She said, well, I'm an atheist. And he said, that's interesting. What brought you to that conclusion? And she said, because I don't believe in a God who allows children to die and allows the suffering we see in the world. He said, I don't like that God either. He said, I wouldn't have anything to do with him either. And she was shocked. She said, really? He said, yeah, what if I could introduce... He said, what if I could introduce you to a God that's just like Jesus. It opened a platform for conversation because when you look at the life of Jesus, he said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I want to know him like that. I don't want to allow every... The enemy is very, very specific in trying to discourage people. He's very specific. And, and he, he studied us for thousands of years. So Paul is bringing this to the Roman church and he says, he said, as long as, he said, he, we're going to be cold. Now, the, the, in the King James, it says, I reckon that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now, Paul was qualified to say that because of, all he'd been through, been beaten with rods, been stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked, snake bitten, 
on an island, shook it off in the fire. Come on, you understand. He could say that. I reckon that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. He says in the Passion, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that's about to be unveiled within us. Now let me give you a little more. The Aramaic can be translated with the glory which is to be perfected in us. The Greek participle is ice which can be translated E-I-S into us, upon us, and to us. The glory. Do you, you do understand Paul, even you, the, the scripture says... God said, I will not give my glory to another. We're, if we're believers, we're not another. We are one with him. Now, I'm, I'm laying a foundation because I want you to see this. And it's very important who, who we believe he is. And he says, here it is. This is Walona kind of sparked this with that picture. I'm convinced. He said, anything we suffer is nothing compared to the glory that's about to be unveiled in us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. The Greek word here means intense anticipation, anxiously anticipating. What is about to happen with an outstretched neck, the entire universe. When I think about that plant growing in the back, it's trying to get a peek of the sons and daughters of God. Trying to get a peek of those who've come, in, come into, into the understanding of who he created us to be. And I'll give you scripture for it. Now, in the King James that same passage says the entire expectation of the creature. Creature is a weak, it's not really the right translation. The, 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 he says the, the, the earnest expectation of the creation is what that means. Waits for the manifestation of the sons of God, the sons and daughters. For the creation was made subject to vanity, futility, frustration, chaos. We're living in that world, and it seems to get worse. I'm not gloom and doom, but I'm telling you where we are. And people are so easily distracted, and it's my responsibility to be a reminder. He says, not willingly. The creation was not exposed to this futility, this chaos, willingly. But by reason of him who had subjected the same or brought it under to the under the control. Now let me, let me take you back to the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve was in the garden and, and probably were there a lot longer than many people think, maybe thousands if not millions of years, maybe, I don't know. They say that the earth is really not a whole lot older than six or 7,000 years old. I don't know. Uh, it, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with whether I'm saved or not. So I'm not going to get caught up in that. But I can tell you in the garden when the enemy came to tempt Eve, when she ate the fruit was not the first sin. 
It was her first sin was believing the lie. He knows when you eat that, you're going to be like him. She already was. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So when, that, when she took the fruit, she saw that it was good. It was lovely. And she think, okay, it's good for food. And it's going to make me wise. She ate it and she gave her husband. It's amazing how the blame game started to happen. Because God got there in the cool of the day. He comes for the walk anyway. And he calls out to Adam, where are you? Now, God's not, he didn't lose Adam. He knew where he was. He's trying to get Adam to look at where he was. Where are you? Hiding. So many hide because they have a wrong perception of who the Father is. And as a result, when they committed that sin, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. All of a sudden, all of creation, everything, the beautiful bougainvilleas, all of the beautiful amber anthems and, and the beautiful flowers and all of the beauty of God's creation that he had created and put it in place before he ever created man because he wanted man to be blessed. And then he pronounced a blessing on him. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Take dominion over what I've created. And so man lost dominion. He lost his place because he committed high treason against God with the arch enemy of God because the devil wanted to put what God hates in what God loves. And some people let him. So... All of a sudden, all of creation came under the curse because of one man's sin. The first Adam. That's what the Bible calls him. We're going there in just a moment. I want you to see this. The first Adam committed sin and all the creation came under the curse. Made subject to chaos and frustration, not willingly, but by reason. Verse 20 of him who subjected the same, because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Come on, you understand when you read that passage. In the, in the, in the passion, it says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe with outstretched neck, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against this will, the universe itself had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay. I've done three, I've been to three funerals in the last month. Many of you knew Ted Patterson. Died all of a sudden. We, we know we did a service for... Ricky Smith, Jimmy's best friend, Razor. Before that, Miss Cheryl's husband. We're living in a temporary world. We're not promised tomorrow. So I'm going to take every opportunity I can to be all that he's called me to be and, and to live life to the full. Because 
we only get one shot, right, in this earth. And we get the opportunity to believe. So he says, he says, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay. To experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we're aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. It's not just creation. We who've already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, the Bible said the earnest of the Spirit, the down payment like the engagement ring, the Holy Spirit is like the engagement ring that God puts in your life so that you become uh, His. It's like the down payment, if you will, if I could use such a very elementary term, that God's already made a down payment and given you a foretaste of everything that heaven we can't even imagine. He says, <coughs> including our physical bodies being transformed, for this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we've already have? Now look at verse 26. For in a similar manner, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray. I can tell you, I've been in those moments. We don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede, hyper intercede on our behalf. Pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Look at verse 28, and then we're going to go to verse 1 Corinthians 15. So we're convinced that every detail of our lives, do you believe this? We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, that are called according to his purpose. Look at how the passion states it. We're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we're his lovers who've been called to fulfill his design purpose. He knew all about this before we were born. He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. There's the glory. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who become just like him. I want, it's important to know this. How close to being like Jesus are we? How close? The Holy Spirit knows. And he's doing the work. Now hang with me. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness. Verse 30. To everyone he called and those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Now, the Bible says that we're crucified with Christ. We're co-crucified with him. We're co-buried with him. Baptism is a symbol of that. We're co-resurrected with him. And Paul even writes in Ephesians that we're co-seated with him. We're seated with him. So we fight the enemy not from an earthly perspective, but from a heavenly position. Let me ask you, is there any other spirit greater than the Holy Spirit? 
the spirit of infirmity, the, the spirit of, of depression, the spirit of oppression, the whatever harassment the enemy brings to you, always remember there is no spirit greater than the Holy Spirit. That's why John writes, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And when we forget that, the enemy has the upper hand. He'll get the upper hand if we forget who is in us because we're being conformed into the image of his son. I have to let the devil, I have to remind them every once in a while and every time the harassment of the spirit comes and let me tell you, some of my family are living in a place of deception and confusion but I'm still, all they know is I love them. Because Jesus said I didn't come to condemn anybody. I love them. And they experience the love because I'm not sent there to judge them or to make them feel bad about them hang on somebody do you understand what religion and, and, and even life will do Jesus never made Peter feel bad about Peter he will never make you feel bad about you because you're created in his image that would be abuse. He'll never make you, the devil does that. He, he wants you to make, make you feel, well, you'll never amount to anything. You're so limited. People really don't think highly of you. So what? My father, your father, sees you as the crown jewel of all that he created. And that's why Paul said we're fully accepted in the beloved. Woo. Changes everything. So it's like, and I can tell you, the enemy is turned up the, the heat. But he says he's determined our destiny ahead of time. He called us, transferred his perfect righteousness. So what does all this mean? If, if God be for us, who can be against us? Look over to 1 Corinthians with me. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. This is part of the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. This is what we understand. That death doesn't have the last say. Paul said, I can hear you almost hear somebody say, how can the dead come back to life? And what kind of body will they have when they're resurrected? Foolish man, Paul says. Whoever asked that question. Don't you know that what you sow in the ground doesn't germinate unless it dies? It's amazing. What you sow is not the body that's come, going to come into being. But the bare seed, and it's hard to tell whether it's wheat or some other seed, but when it dies, God gives it a new form. 
a body to fulfill his purpose. And he sees to it that each seed gets a new body of its own and becomes the plant he designed it to be. One place Jesus even teaches every plant that my father did not plant gets pulled up and cast into the fire. So the father, even John 15 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the owner of this vineyard. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them, you're in the right vineyard. Yeah. He said, if you bear fruit, if you're abiding in me, if you're at home in me, you're going to bear fruit. And that fruit is going to be an opportunity for the Father to take off all the sucker shoots and that, that stuff in your life that would hinder you from bearing much fruit. Not fun. I've been there. So he says... He says, when it dies, God gives it a new form that he designed it to be. Look at verse 39. All flesh is not identical. Animals have one flesh and human beings another. Birds have their distinct flesh and fish another. In the same way, there are earthly bodies and heavenly bodies. There is a splendor of the celestial body and a different one for the earthly. There's the radiance of the sun and differing radiance for the moon and for the stars. That's the way God created it. Even the stars differ in their shining, and that's how it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in decay. The frustration of all creation will be delivered from that part. That that The last enemy to be destroyed, Jesus said, is death. And so he says, he said, the body is sown in decay, but it be raised immortality. It is sown in humiliation, but will be raised in glorification. There it is again. It is sown in weakness, but raised in power. If there's a physical body, there's also a spiritual body. For it is written, the first Adam became a living soul. That word soul Genesis 2-7, you find that passage. The last Adam, notice he didn't say the second one. Because if you said second, there would, that would imply there will be a third. No, he's the last one. The last Adam became the life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual didn't come first. The natural precedes the spiritual. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man is Yahweh from the realm of heaven. Woo! The first one was made from dust. Has a race of people just like him. Come on, here's a picture right here. We either, you you can't straddle the fence. You can't be in the world and in the kingdom realm at the same time. You can't be half in and half out. You hang with me. And so, he wants our whole heart. And the Holy Spirit comes to do the work in us. And he says, the worst first one was made from dust, has a race of people just like him. We either have the Adamic nature, or we have Jesus' nature. The divine nature. We either have one or the other. And the Adamic nature is always trying to resurrect itself. Right? Come on, let's just... We're family. We can talk. The Adamic part, that, that fallen part, is always trying to resurrect itself and take authority. 
I just have to tell it to shut up. Be quiet. Sometimes it'll tell me, said, you're just too tired. Call somebody else. You don't need to go. I said, you shut up and sit down. I'm going. I'm taking this with me. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to take this with me. It might feel tired and weak, but his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I know I got to get up early in the morning, but that's okay, Lord. I, I'm going to I'm going to get re-energized because I'm going to be. A, I know I'm decaying, and I know I don't have a long. You, you see, I've probably been here longer than I'm going to be here. Hang with me, sixty-seven. I don't know if I live to be one hundred and thirty-four. <laughs> be okay, but you understand. I'm, I told somebody the other day. They were asking me how to do it. I said, well, I found out some things about myself at 67 I didn't, I didn't know at 34. <laughs> but I said, I'm not letting that stop me. I said, I just have to bring this body into alignment with the word and the will of God. Come on, you understand. You got to keep on going. You can't stop. You can't allow the enemy to use the carnal nature. He's a flesh devil. He's a flesh devil. He's always appealing to the flesh. And he's a legalist. He's looking for an open door. And he can't come into our arena unless we give him access. That's why the scripture says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But there's a prerequisite to that. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Not everybody has done that. They're trying to resist the devil and haven't done the first part. And he just ain't going unless we've done the first part. And I pray that. I say, Lord, thank you. I submit myself to you. I come and submit myself under the mighty hand of God because you said you would exalt me in due time. And Lord, I'm not going to promote myself, but you have to do the promoting. And since God, you are able to promote us and bring us into places of favor. God, I refuse to allow the enemy to intimidate me any longer. And, and since the, the enemy has come to harass and try to steal my joy and steal your joy and cause you to be discouraged, come on. I, I don't know of anybody in here where the enemy would not try to make you be discouraged and say oh why do you, why don't you just throw in the towel and stop it's been a long time now since you've been believing God for this certain thing but let me tell you that's not going to stop me because he says why do we hope for that that we already have and since we don't have it yet we know it's coming so I'm going to walk in a hope a calm confident expectation that there's a good thing coming in my future because God will do what God said he would do and he'll do it every time so I'm going to keep on getting myself up and I'm going to keep on keeping on for the glory of God because I know that I'm going to have what he said I had I like this shirt this man you can buy it online the devil thought, since I was on my knees and my head was bowed, I was defeated. Until he heard me say, Amen. 
Come on, there needs to come a moment in our life when, the, when it seems like life has beaten you into a posture of humility and life brings you into a place where you think uh, and wonder, where is God? Let me tell you something about God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We need to come to the place where we say yes and amen. We, let the, we need to let the devil hear us say that because he's got a plan. Oh, I just heard the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you that that. God's up to something. And I need to encourage somebody just to remind you with what the Lord showed me last week. Over in Isaiah 63.1. Isaiah prophesies. You remember Edom. Edom came from Esau. Edom was a godless people the Bible even calls Esau Edom. They were God's enemies because they were wounded people. Esau was wounded by his brother. Don't ever let that wound turn into a root of bitterness. Because Edom was always, they made themselves a king. And they came against the children of God. I want you to just see this scenario just for a moment. I got five minutes to 12 if you're keeping time. The Israel, the children of God are standing in the hot Palestinian sun. And they're facing the Edomites. That wounded bunch of idolaters that was spawned by a man who was so wounded by his brother. Yeah. And they're waiting for a word from God before they go into battle. And it's hot. They're waiting to hear from God. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost is in this room right now. Yeah. The devil tried everything he could to stop me. I want, I want you to hear something. He tried every way he could because he knew what was going to happen. That God was going to have the last say. They're standing facing an enemy and they're outnumbered. They're facing this enemy called Edom. They're waiting for, for a word from the Lord. And you look at Isaiah, begins to prophesy and says, Who is this coming out of Basra, which is a city in Edom? Who is this coming out of He's, he looks like he's strong as he ever was. His garments are dyed red. Woo! He's coming out of Edom. And you understand that while you're in your today, I came to tell somebody, while you're in today, God is in your tomorrow. And he's fighting the battle that you're going to face because he knows he's already given you the victory. That's why the Bible said he always causes us to triumph, which means to celebrate the victory before you ever fight the battle. And let me tell you, while you're in time and we're waiting today, while you're in your today, God is already in your tomorrow, making sure your enemy has on 
under your feet and you can walk with great confidence to know that God's going to make you more than a conqueror. You're going to have the faith you need to overcome the world and everything you need has already been given to you because you're going to be just like him. You're going to have every you have everything that was his. I'm going to send you another comforter. He's not going to speak of me. He's going to take what's mine and show it to you. Oh, I just need to go there. Will you just give me a couple of minutes if I go there? I know I've heard that the other day too and you know what? I just need one vote. <laughs> I love you. I love you. They're waiting for a word from the Lord. They're sweating bullets. They've been believing God for a breakthrough. Their families are about to go under attack. The enemy is coming against everything that they love, every promise that God has ever given them. And they're facing an innumerable, uh, it seems like, impossible situation. And Isaiah stands up under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and he begins to look and he says, who is this coming from the city of Basra in Edom? Who is this that's coming from the camp of the Edomites? He's dressed in garments bright scarlet. He said, robed in a garment dyed bright red, marching like a champion in his great power and might. Well, yes, it is I. I'm the one who announces righteousness. I'm mighty and ready to be saved. I don't need any water right now, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm the one who announces righteousness. I'm mighty and ready to save. Come on, you understand. He said, why are you robed in red like those of who treading grapes? He said, I've been treading in the wine press alone. Hallelujah. God was there while you was waiting to get to tomorrow. He was there all by himself because no enemy is matched uh, the, the, the God that you serve and the Father in you. And he said, I've been treading the wine press alone. There's no one there from the nation to help me. I stomped on the nations in my anger and trampled them down in my wrath. Their blood soaked my clothing and stained my robes. For the day of vengeance was in my heart. No, no. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't you worry about it. You just make sure you keep walking in love. And you keep believing God. Because you might be in your today worried about what you're going to face tomorrow. I got good news for you. He's already in tomorrow. He's already fighting and defeating your enemy before you ever wake up in the morning. God has already been there. He's already faced what you faced because the Bible said nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of my Father which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing shall be able to separate me and that's what the enemy's up to. He wants to separate you from the love of the Father and make you think that God has forgotten you but can I tell you, if you don't see him today, just remember, he's in your tomorrow already defeating your enemy so that when you show up in the morning, you, you won't have to worry. Yes, sir. 
on that day, he'd already gone ahead of you. He'd already been ahead of you. I looked, but there was no one to help me. Oh, I could take you through Abraham, where God caused him to fall asleep while he made covenant on Abraham's behalf. Ooh, Abraham never had to walk through. He never had to do his part because God did it for him. And guess why? Because he believed God. He believed God. He didn't even have to give his son because God was going to give his. He said, I was amazed that there was no one to support me. So my own power accomplished salvation. My own arm, the arm of God represents the power of God. And my wrath sustained me. And let me tell you what that Hebrew manuscript, Wisit Kathy. My victorious right hand sustained me. So I trampled down nations in my anger. Come on. I trampled, I got to read this to you because it's too good. I I trampled down nations in my anger and shattered them in my fury and spill their blood on the ground. I will tell again of the faithful, gracious acts of Yahweh and praise Him for everything He's done for us. Notice the shift. Praise puts to silence the enemy. He said, I'm going to, the wonderful goodness, the riches of his mercy, which he's shown to the house of Israel and the abundance of endless love. For he said, truly they are my loyal children who will not act deceitfully. He became their savior. See, he saw you before you ever showed up today. He said, that's my faithful children. I know I can trust them. I know they're going to go through some stuff and they're going to be confused and they're going to find themselves in a place where they doubt their own ability. But it's okay because I'm going to do a work in them that's going to cause them to stop trusting in their own self and begin to trust in me and put their hope in me. I'm going to do a work in them that will cause them to walk out of the limitations of the flesh and begin to believe in the power of the Holy Ghost that I've sent to be their Redeemer and Helper In this world, hallelujah, bless the Lord. When they suffered, he suffered with them. Remember what Paul said in Romans 8? As long as we suffer or feel his pain, as long as he's not telling us to carry what Jesus carried. It's a whole different spiritual level. He said, when they suffered, he suffered with them. Capital letters. The angel of his presence saved them. Out of his enduring love and compassion, he redeemed them. He lifted them up. 
carried them in his arms and cared for them all the days of old. What a father. What a father. Verse, final verses. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. It is sin that gives death its sting and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season. Wait a minute. Did you hear? We know we prosper and excel in every season. Just for your benefit, let me show you what the King James says. But thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's in every season. Last verse. So now, beloved, stand firm. We know that we prosper, excel in every season because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes us labor productive with fruit that endures. I want you to stand with me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Spirit of God. I saw the Holy Spirit touching, touching, touching. If the Lord spoke to you during this, I feel really impressed by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get in a hurry because when God wants to do a work, I found out that it's pretty easy to lose a desire for worldly things the closer I get to Him. I find out it's, it's a whole lot easier to deny myself the closer I get to Him. It's a whole lot easier. Man, I reckon that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with a glory. The whole creation standing on tiptoe. Be like one of those big trees down there, big beautiful pine trees. Just pick one of the ones that's not beautiful that may be ugly. Well, there's some ugly ones down there, okay? I've been down there in the woods. But I bet if that tree could talk, it would say, don't cut me down yet. I've been waiting a lot of years. And I believe I'm going to see it. I've been standing on tiptoe. Watching for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. So I want you to come. If you feel drawn by the Holy Spirit, come right now.
Lord told me that was going to happen, and he said he was going to give that interpretation to somebody else and not me. So if you got that, I want you to share it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I feel that all in my spirit. Somebody needs to come right now. Come right now. And, and I want to believe.